0: Welcome to Eye on the Triangle with Seja
1: Hindi, a weekly glimpse into our community, bringing you news from the brickyard to your backyard. Ahead in news, council deadlocked on the city's future, more bad news for Democrats and a roundup of America's performance at the Olympics. I'm Evan Garris. These stories, sports suggestions for the new chancellor and more on the February 15th edition of Eye on the Triangle.
2: This weekend news on Eye on the Triangle.
1: A brief rundown of the latest news.
3: Good evening. It's 704 40 degrees and headed down to 26. I'm John Boyer here at WKNC in Raleigh, and here's our top local story. The Clarence E. Lightner Public Safety Center is 17 stories and $205 million away from rising above the Raleigh skyline as long as City Council is on board. Mayor Charles Meeker suggested a one-cent increase to the 0.375-cent property tax during the State of the City address earlier at the Raleigh Convention Center today. City Council has split 4-4 on the proposal amidst public opposition to the new taxes. The News and Observer reports that $22 million has already been spent on the location and design of the structure, which would become home to the city's police, fire, and public safety personnel. A familiar face in higher education is moving on, and a search for his replacement is in the works. Erskine Bowles, president of the UNC Board of Governors, announced on Friday that he will retire, though the timing is still to be determined. Bowles, a two-time Senate candidate and White House chief of staff for Bill Clinton, has held the position since 2006. Have you had a good day today? The newly released Gallup Healthways Well-Being Index surveyed 162 cities in the U.S. for physical and emotional health, and the Raleigh-Carrie area ranked number 15. Durham was slightly behind at number 22, while Fayetteville languished at 137 overall and was dead last in the work environment category. The nationwide winner, Boulder, Colorado. Headlines in Indiana read, Bye, bye, bye. The two-term Democratic Senator Evan Bay announced today that he will not seek re-election in the fall. Bay, who was often viewed as a moderate voice, expressed his frustration with the partisan gridlock, saying, quote, I love working for the people of Indiana, but I do not love Congress. In the wake of other retirements and embarrassments, this news is another blow for the Democrats' hope of maintaining a majority in the upcoming Senate. Democrats are rushing to find another candidate while Republican contenders head to the primaries in May. In world news, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said that Iran is turning into a military dictatorship while on a visit to Saudi Arabia. Standing aside Saudi officials, Clinton expressed fears that Iran is closer to building a nuclear weapon and suggested additional sanctions aimed at the country's Revolutionary Guard. In sports, America appears to be on track to lead the medal count at the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, with eight trips to the podium already in the bag. Hannah Carney claimed first gold for the women's moguls, another gold going to snowboarder Seth Westcott. Speed skaters Apollo Ono and J.R. Selsky earned a silver and bronze, respectively. Johnny Spillane's second-place finish resulted in America's first-ever medal for Nordic Combined, a combination of ski jumping and cross-country skiing. Meanwhile, Canada's first gold medal ever at a home Olympics game from the moguls skier Alexandra Bilodeau. Tonight's events include a pairs figure skating finals, men's downhill alpine skiing, 500-meter speed skating, and snowboarding. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has received 34 alleged reports of motorist deaths due to defective Toyotas over the past 10 years. Complaints to the government have soared in recent weeks after nearly 9 million cars were recalled worldwide by the automaker for defective acceleration, braking, and floor mats. A Toyota spokesperson estimated that only around a quarter of the recalled vehicles here in the U.S. have been taken in for repairs. The markets are closed today due to President's Day holiday, but governments in Europe are trying to quell anxiety about Greece defaulting on its debts and reassure the stability of the euro currency, which is now at a nine-month low against the dollar. In weather, we say goodbye to the clouds and rain tonight with skies clearing and lows headed down to 26. Tuesday will be sunny and breezy. Winds could gust up to 30 miles per hour and temperatures around 42. Wednesday and Thursday stay clear and dry as well. Morning lows around 25 and highs stuck in the mid-40s. Right now it's partly cloudy and 40 here at 708 in Raleigh. On this day in 1898, the USS Maine exploded and sank in Havana, Cuba, launching the Spanish-American War. In 1961, 73 people, including the entire U.S. figure skating team, died when their plane crashed in Belgium. And believe it or not, YouTube turns five years old today. What did we ever do before that? Finally tonight, the Vatican newspaper L'Osservatore Romano compiled a list of their top ten pop and rock albums of all time. Who made the list? The Beatles' Revolver, Dark Side of the Moon, Thriller, and selections from Fleetwood Mac, U2, and others. The lighthearted article suggested that the albums are great if one is stuck on a desert island. I wonder if they've tested that theory. The time is 7.08. Keep it here on 88.1 WKNC as Eye on the Triangle continues with Tyler Everett and sports.
4: Listening to 88.1 WKNC's Eye on the Triangle. I'm Seja Hindi. Next up, we have our sports segment with Tyler Everett. Tyler, what can you tell us about men's basketball?
5: Okay, since I talked to you guys last, um, we took on, or State took on Virginia Tech at home last Wednesday night at 9 o'clock and f- took a similar loss to a lot of the ones that have piled up here lately. Uh, after the Carolina game, now, State's lost 6 of 7. Um, the one win in there was over North Carolina Central, and five of those six losses have been by double digits, so it hasn't been pretty lately. Um, the Virginia Tech game was no exception, uh, down 11 at halftime. Um, I actually only saw the second half of the Virginia Tech game, got home and watched some of the second half. Um, really uh, got within six or eight maybe at one point in the second half, but never, never was real competitive with Virginia Tech. Had a real hard time with uh, Dorenzo Hudson, uh, athletic Ford for them uh, pretty much had his way. Held Malcolm Delaney relatively quiet. He's been Virginia Tech's leader, but um, Dorenzo Hudson really lit, lit up the pack a little bit there. And then, uh, so after that game, it was looking to to take on Carolina in a rare rare circumstances between state and Carolina. It was a it was a battle kind of for the cellar of the ACC. And uh, two interesting things transpired in between the conclusion of the Virginia Tech game and the Carolina game. Uh, Roy Williams came out. Um, I can't remember precisely what the circumstances for the press conference were, but he came out and related a quote that he uh, related a conversation he had it with his masseuse, where the masseuse uh, they were talking about how stressed he was and how brutal it was, and he referred to uh, the Carolina predicament as a catastrophe. And she said, "No, Roy, uh, I don't think it." More, I'm paraphrasing. She said, "No, Roy, I don't think it's a catastrophe. I think the thing in Haiti is a catastrophe. I think." Your situation is a uh, is a disappointment, and he actually corrected her and then related this to the media and said it depends what chair you're sitting in. And as far as he was concerned, it seemed like his was a he he called the Carolina uh, losing season a catastrophe, and that's just kind of just kind of ridiculous. It kind of fuels the fire for those uh, anti Carolina folks out there. Uh, it's already burning with a lot of Wolfpack fans, but he says something like that they won a national championship a year ago. They're probably the most successful basketball team in the country, even if they were terrible under no circumstances would too many people make that comparison and then he's he's making it when he's coaching one of the best programs in the country
4: so tyler what are we missing here i mean what are what are we gonna have to do about that next year
5: um well hopefully some help is on the way supposedly uh ryan harrow and lorenzo brown are two of the best recruits in the country and they they will most certainly be here barring anything terrible which (laughs) wouldn't be the greatest wouldn't be the biggest shock the way things have gone wolfpack sports lately but um those two will definitely be here. Another another highly talented forward, uh, Luke Cothran, was a signee earlier, and now there's some questions as to whether or not he will be eligible. Nothing real definitive on that, but he's certainly not set in stone that he'll be here. And a lot of folks are probably familiar with C.J. Leslie, uh, one of the best recruits in the nation. A lot of people have compared him to Kevin Garnett. He actually uh, committed to NC State as a freshman in high school. He's currently a senior now, and he is no longer committed but we are among his top two or three along with Kentucky. So it will certainly be interesting to see if we can uh, reel in C.J. Leslie. He would bring a lot of help to the front court uh, to join Tracy Smith up there should Smith stay. And then Harrow and Brown would certainly bring a, a new element to the back court. And uh, another interesting thing, talking basketball, a lot of folks have been uh, disappointed, but uh, Lee Fowler is not, not one of them, at least not. He hasn't come out and been critical of Lowe. He actually made a statement after the Virginia Tech game. I don't remember his exact words, but he pretty much stuck up for Lowe, said he was proud of the way the team's fighting in spite of the losses and stuff. And um, that actually might fuel a lot of Fowler's uh, critics that have said he's, he's too content with the way things are going. Um, they feel like sometimes he, he just takes things, and, and I'm sure that will add to it when, he's, when the team is struggling as bad as I've mentioned and um, Fowler's coming out and supporting Lowe. It'll be interesting to see the reaction from that. What do you think? Um, I don't mind it. I mean, I think the AD should have the coach's back. I think if he thinks he needs to go in a different direction with the coach, then he needs to handle it and maybe fire Lowe or something. But coming out and, and criticizing Lowe would have, would not have been a good move at all. Um, I, I don't blame him for supporting him. And I actually I think Lowe deserves at least one more year. Um, with the recruits coming in, I think we ought to give him a chance to coach those guys up and see what happens when when by far his best recruiting class gets here. I think there's good reason to expect big things out of the guys coming in next year.
4: You wrote a column about that, right?
5: Yeah, I wrote a column a couple weeks ago now saying, uh, more or less, I just paraphrased it, but that um, regardless of how this season ends up, when I wrote it, it, uh, the season wasn't quite as bad as it is now. But um, just saying regardless of how this season ends up, getting rid of Lowe after this year would not be the way to go. I think it'd be starting the rebuilding, rebuilding era uh, a, a year too early. Um, something I didn't mention in the column, but another point I'd make when you talk about whether or not we need Low. Um, after Syndek left, we had a heck of a time finding a coach. Uh, several candidates turned us down before we finally got Low. And and I don't mind Low, but he was not our first choice by any means. And and um, I, I'd be a little morbidly curious to see who would come here. Say we fired Low after this year. I mean, you finished last place in the ACC, uh, bottom three of the three years before this. I don't know how many coaches would be, would be itching to come here. So okay. I think, like I said, give them one more year.
4: Switching gears real quickly, what can you tell us about women's basketball?
5: Um, on a brighter note, uh, <laughs> women's basketball hosted the annual Hoops for Hope thing, which has been a big thing. Uh, as a vision of Kay Yow's. that's been pretty successful. Raised a lot of money. I don't want to mess this figure up, but I believe it was around $50,000 were raised. And the pack women pulled out a win. I believe the freshman Castanek scored the winning bucket with a minute and five left. And then I guess uh, tight defense uh, helped the team preserve the win, hang on there. Um, the game was on ESPN2, which is real notable for women's basketball fans and basketball fans in general, that a, that a women's game would be on national TV. That's another thing that Yao was working on. And obviously she had some success as as the game was nationally televised last night.
4: All right. Thanks, Tyler. Now we'll go ahead and move on to EOT's viewpoint.
2: Viewpoint
3: on Eye on the Triangle.
4: Evan's opinions on the latest news. The views in this editorial do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU.
1: This week's editorial takes the form of a concise, avuncular statement to the latest chief of the still-smoldering wreckage that is NC State's administration. Dear Chancellor-Elect Woodson, I've been asked to enumerate a few of the expectations students may have for a new chancellor, but I can't keep from proffering some advice. Some of your predecessors have set the bar for, bar for achievement markedly low. Try not to trip over it on your way in. As you well know, our university's honor has been deeply wounded by an administration mired in drama truly worthy of British royals. The collective madness of King James Oblinger, Prince Larry Nielsen, and Mary Easley, the people's princess, left us to the stockades, helpless as we watched our mighty institution become the laughingstock of the UNC system. You're charged with rebuilding this school's reputation. It's a task that will take time and much effort, but by adhering to three simple principles, the process will be almost painless. The first one is a given. Be honest and stay honest for the sake of your dignity and ours. Secondly, a little bit of integrity goes a long way. Resist the urge to play politics and don't let the smell of money cloud your judgment. Thirdly, make your administration and that new $3 million house in the works completely transparent. If you want our trust, make it easy for us to trust you. Sticking to these guidelines sounds like an easy task, but great pressure will undoubtedly be applied to you. We want you to succeed. We need you to succeed. Dr. Woodson, you're here to serve us first, and don't you forget it. You can start by firing Lee Fowler. Best wishes for a bright future. Listeners, don't forget to send us your questions, concerns, and suggestions for the new chancellor. If you feel the need to opine, send us an email with your pithy comments to publicaffairs at wknc.org.
4: The views in this editorial do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. Thanks, Evan. Just to let listeners know, there is actually a chancellor's reception with uh, the new chancellor, Randy Woodson, this Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. at Reynolds Coliseum. So make sure to go out there if uh, you have any suggestions for him. Next up, we have a VIP segment involving several, uh, <laughs> several different guests um, talking about different non-traditional avenues that students take after graduation then we have a preview of the play into the woods at uh stewart theater this week and here this is talking about situnes the new music downloading service so stay tuned 88.1 wknc i'm Seja hindi Next up for our VIP segment, we have the campaign coordinator for Teach for America, Joe Wright, and the campus recruiter for Peace Corps, Marcus Anderson. We also have two students who plan on working for Teach for America and teaching English as a second language abroad, respectively, Mike Austin and Anna Andruzi. Joe, what can you tell us about Teach for America? How does it work?
6: Uh, Teach for America is a nonprofit organization. Basically, what we do is ask people to take the two years after they graduate and go somewhere in our country across 36 different regions Take those two years and bring education up to a new level. The problem that it's addressing is education inequity, which is basically, um, to put into a tangible way, the fact that an average fourth grader in a low-income community can't read words and sentences yet. We ask people to go in and make a difference for that for two years.
4: Marcus, same question goes for you. Tell us a little bit about Peace Corps.
7: Well, Peace Corps is a 27-month volunteer organization. It's a nonprofit. It's run by the federal government. Uh, volunteers will go abroad for the full time they'll do three months of training and two years at post we're just looking for passionate people who want to take their skill set their life experience abroad and help it where it's needed most okay
4: marcus and Joe, the national unemployment rate for january is 9.7 percent up two percent from last january the preliminary unemployment rate for north carolina in december is 11.2 percent and we felt it was closer to home, too, when the Chass employment fair was canceled due to lack of regional employee, employee interest. Has the weak job market had any effect on the number of people considering and applying for Teach for America and the Peace Corps?
6: Well, I'll go first. If that's all right with Marcus, you can get the next one. Um, for us, it, we've seen more people applying um, throughout every year. But additionally, we've also had our need go up every single year. Last year, we placed 3,700 teachers. This year, expecting to place 4,100. So, as that demand has gone up, so has our supply of jobs to fill. So, good relation.
7: Uh, Cesar, we've gotten more competitive actually before that happened. Uh, We see 1,100 to 1,300 applicants a month, about 25% of the people get in. So, we were experiencing a spike in applications prior to that.
4: Okay. And are there, you know, specific jobs and enough jobs for the people that do get into the Peace Corps?
7: Well, it's very competitive, so there's always enough spots for people. But if you aren't a viable enough applicant, then you won't advance in the process.
4: Okay. And are you looking for specific majors, either for Teach for America or the Peace Corps?
7: The Peace Corps accepts every major. That's actually a common misconception. If you're a liberal arts, then we don't want you. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. There's a place for every four-year degree and some associate degrees in the Peace Corps. What
4: about Teach for America, Joe?
6: The exact same. It's a big misconception that we're only looking for education degrees, and that is very much not the case. We're looking for degrees from everything from zoology to anthropology.
4: How many applicants are each of you accepting this year or this upcoming year, rather?
6: We plan to place about 4,100, obviously, people from all universities all over across the country are applying so it's hard to say how many from this area or anything
7: likewise i don't have a set number it's it's rolling admissions last year uh, we advanced from this school alone 40 so it could be any number
4: and this is kind of a very broad question i know but are there specific stories from participants that make you realize this is why this is why you work for your respective organizations
6: Yeah, there there (laughs) definitely are. Um, Immediately, so many come to mind that it's hard to decide which one. So I'll go with this one. Uh, Sarah Beth, who I won't say her last name for, I don't know if we're allowed to on the radio or not, and that's why. But uh, she went to NC State and was a very active student here. And uh, the Greek system is also very active in our academics. And um, she went out to Vance County here in North Carolina and met a huge problem with education being at a very low standard. And that struck me growing up here in Wake County myself, you know, no more than a hundred miles away that there was this huge problem. And, uh, I was able to talk to her about a year ago now, I suppose. And she had like had a huge tangible amount of success where she had taken her students, um, reading levels up four grade levels, I was able to just sort of, see what an impact that one person could have if they're just willing to take a short amount of time. And it's the same for Peace Corps, really, not just for Teach for America. If you're willing to take that short amount of time to give something back before you start.
4: Are you recruiting for the Peace Corps, too, now?
7: (laughs)
6: I'm I'm recording for Humanity.
7: As well he should. As well he should be.
6: (laughs) Me and Marcus are friends. Marcus and I.
4: What about you, Marcus?
7: Uh... You know, a story that resonates with me would be my own story. I went to the Republic of Nicaragua as a youth development volunteer. And, you know, since I had seen poverty before here in the States, but, you know, abroad it's on a completely different scale. And what you're doing for Peace Corps is you, you're you offering yourself. It's, they're not throwing money at the problem. They're throwing people at it. And uh, I did a lot of good work, and a lot of volunteers do as well.
4: Okay. So that was actually going to be my next question. What are your past experiences that kind of um, got you guys involved in the organizations or why why did you decide to start recruiting for Teach for America, Joe? Um,
6: well, I'm <laughs> – wow, surprise questions Sorry. are always so much. <laughs> no. um, I have had an interest in Teach for America for a long time for myself. I haven't served yet in the Corps as I am still, it seems like, for about a decade now working on um, – graduating my undergraduate degree. But as soon as I do, uh, I plan to do it. So that's why I'm recruiting now, I suppose.
4: Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) He told us a story. So just to kind of reiterate, Peace Corps is 27 months and Teach for America is two years. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. And can people extend their service or?
7: In the Peace Corps, you can totally extend your service. It's not uncommon at all. You know, you got an unfinished project or something like that. You can stay for more than 27 months. Okay.
6: Well, with Teach for America, you're actually hired by the school district that you work with, so you can certainly keep working with that school district, or at that time you can quit teaching and go on to law school or whatever you had planned. The The, the hope of it is that whatever you do, you'll continue to serve as somebody trying to quit, trying to end education inequity.
7: Okay.
4: So. Marcus, can you tell us a little bit about the different projects that Peace Corps volunteers work on?
7: Um, Sure, Cesar. We're in a number of sectors that include youth development, like what I went in, education, agriculture, environment, business development, IT, health, and there's uh, currently an HIV-AIDS focus as well.
4: Okay, that sounds good. And it seems like it'd be difficult to kind of adjust to a completely different part of the country, especially the world. Um, Is there an adjustment period before people start to really get involved in their communities (laughs)
6: <laughs> should have been first to the mic no um you know I, I think that it would obviously be a lie to say there's no adjustment period you know if you move to a new apartment down the street there's an adjustment period um but with for america we we always have somebody in the community with you that has been in that community before and has also done two years prior with teach for america sort of a coach to help get you through your process to when you start to worry and have that freak out moment that you're bound to have if you're doing something unusual,
7: then they'll be that. there to
6: support you. So,
7: Marcus, <laughs> back to me. <laughs> um, sure, Sasha. There's there's certainly an adjustment period. Um, I'll speak from my own experience. When you're in Peace Corps, your main objective is to assimilate into the community. So for me, I became a Nicaraguan, say a Nicaraguan. You know, so it varies. I have an outgoing personality. So, you know, for me, it took three months, whereas for someone else who may be more introverted, it could take a little longer. But there certainly is an adjustment period.
4: Do you have to know the language before you're sent to that specific country?
7: It depends on what region you end up in. Central and South America, you need to have some Spanish. For us Wolfpackers, it's FLS 202. But come and see me. I'll work with you. <laughs> okay. uh, and for Francophone Africa, of course, you have to have French. But every other region that we're in, there is no language requirement.
4: Okay. Anna definitely don't want to leave you out of this. Um, you graduate in May, right? I do. What are your post-graduation plans?
8: Um, well, they're not very detailed, but I plan to go abroad at least for a year, probably a year, to um, teach English, hopefully in Prague, is what I'm looking at.
4: Okay. And why, why did you decide to do that?
8: Um, Well, in August, when we came back to school, I was thinking kind of what I wanted to do in terms of grad school or trying to see what I wanted to do. And then I had to think about my boyfriend as well, because we've been dating for six years. And he's a music major at Duke. He had his senior project this year, so he wasn't going to have his music ready in time to apply to grad school. So he needed another year. So I was thinking what we should do for a year. So I was like, well, maybe we should go abroad, because I've never been abroad before. It's never really been In my plans, Um, I kind of missed out on the summer abroads because I was having to take classes. So um, I figured I might as well do it after I graduate. (laughs)
4: That sounds good. What experiences or what kind of skills do you feel like your experience will equip you with after you finish that?
8: Um, Well, I feel that um, I was actually talking to my dad about it the other day, and it just kind of builds character. Um, It's just experiences. I'm hoping to get a lot of inspiration from the architecture and design and just life there and hopefully to travel some too while we're abroad, so. Okay, and what do you want to accomplish when you're in Prague? Um, huh. What do I want to accomplish? Well, I want to accomplish, I guess, better patience because I know it's going to be like incredibly frustrating to try to teach English to someone who maybe isn't, because there's definitely going to be language barriers, but um, and I just want to kind of Find out who I am and grow up a little bit. Okay, and have you heard anything
4: about the Czech Republic? I mean, is that how you is that how you decided? You know, you wanted to go there.
8: Yeah. Well, I had some friends go um, about a year ago, and um, heard a lot about it. Saw a lot of pictures. Um, they're not on the euro, which is nice, but they're next to European countries, so it would probably be a little bit cheaper, which okay. is a plus.
4: And, uh, Mike, not to throw you off guard, but you're also graduating in May and have been planning to do Teach for America for a
9: while. Why? Well, I interned a couple years ago. I'm a civil engineering graduate. Like Joe was saying, I was actually a recruiter uh, two or three years ago for Teach for America when I had just heard of it needed a job and needed, what would you say, Joe, minimal pay? Yeah, (laughs) minimal pay. Yeah, yeah. So I I recruited on campus, and that's when I really got to learn more about the organization. I, I had done a civil engineering internship And it really just hadn't, it didn't sit well with me. I wasn't sure it's what I wanted to do. And the opportunity to basically do something I had never done before and be able to take complete ownership from day one. So if I'd worked at the company that I was uh, interning at, they were, you know, I was on track to get a job offer from them. If I had worked for them, I would have had two bosses and been a graduated intern, basically. But from Teach for America, uh, from day one, you're in front of a classroom full of students, 50 students, 25 students, whatever, whatever you're basically a leader from day one, not only that, but you know, education, I, I don't have any background in education. So they bring you up to speed, they train you all summer, and then they give you sort of leadership development and professional development. And it all just sort of added up to this thing that was really appetizing uh, to me, whether or not I want to stay in education. So it was a, just a way, way better opportunity for me than working for a company that I interned for upon graduation.
4: Okay. And since you can't get mad at me on radio, I'm going to go ahead and uh, push you a little bit further. But you said this is something that you'd been thinking about for a really long time and have wanted to do for the past four years or more. I mean, why? Why Teach for America?
9: Well, without sounding like a uh, homer for Teach for America, which I undoubtedly am, uh, it, it's really, like Joe said, serving what we think is pretty much the biggest need domestically, which is that the, the schools in affluent communities... Get the resources and get the best teachers. I mean, if you're a teacher and you've been teaching for twenty years, you don't want to go take the hardest job. You know who does want to take the hardest job? College graduates who are eager to, to uh, well, you know, not not build their resume, not even build their resume, but eager to challenge themselves and eager to go affect change, way more so than walking into a room with fluorescent lights and wearing a uh, a collared shirt working yeah. for an engineering firm eight hours a day. You know, yes, sir. It's just a completely different uh, and and way better opportunity. So that's why I wanted to do it. And then there's a little bit of, uh, well, where can I go? There's 36 different places in the United States you can go live in. And for me, I'm going to Oakland, which is a little scary. I've never mm-hmm. been to California, but for, for visiting. Yeah, so, uh, so it'll be cool. I mean, it'll be really exciting to uh, move to a different place and start doing this thing I've never done before. And it's a little scary, but it's equally exciting. So that's why Teach for America. How was that, Seja?
4: Sounds pretty good. Um, so, Mike... What do you expect to encounter over these next couple of years?
9: Uh, Everything, basically. Uh, You know, my first worries were, well, I've never taught before. I don't know anything about education. I don't know how to handle children other than my little sister. Uh, So there's that worry. But more than anything, I think uh, being overwhelmed by the need uh, is is something that's probably pretty easy to let happen. So, you know, I want to take what Teach for America has done for basically 20 years, which is okay, how do we address this need, and then how do I do it both in the classroom and outside the classroom? So in the classroom, you know, I expect to encounter people who don't know how to add, subtract, people who don't know how to read, people who don't want to pay attention, people who skip, all those things. But then outside the classroom, I expect to encounter apathy uh, and all sorts of overwhelming things. And so being able to sort of put everything together and say, okay, what can I do as an individual? Okay.
4: Joe and Marcus, what can you guys tell us about the benefits of Teach for America and the Peace Corps? Why
6: why should people apply? I Marcus looks like he's storming over there, so I'll uh, jump on it. Um, <laughs> so Teach for America has a lot of financial benefits. I guess immediately that's the first thing we always want to throw out there because people worry about that sort of thing. This is America. Um, what Teach for America will do for you is once you are accepted into the program and you go to teach for the two years that you're teaching, you're, any government-sponsored student loan will go into forbearance, which means – no interest is going to accrue on it. and You'll be able to pay it off at your own rate over those two years or start it off when you finish. In addition to that, there's going to be an AmeriCorps bonus that $9,450 or more, depending on if you're teaching a math science subject. Um, there is a lot of grad school partnerships. A lot of the top law schools in the country are partnering with us. And, Mike, you look like you're...
9: I want to add to that, too. And this is what I think the actual the distinction is. A lot of people say Teach for America is the domestic Peace Corps and Marcus, uh, feel free to chime in. But but Teach for America is first and foremost a job placement. Uh, they place you with a job. So I'll be collecting a check from the state of California, or at least yeah. I hope I will, anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's that's with, the difference with there. Full salary exactly. And so I was actually looking at sort of the pay scale for the Oakland Unified School District uh, today online, and it's. Really expensive to live out there. But Peace Corps is volunteer. So you're out there, correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, and you get a stipend. But with Teach for America, you're working in the country, and you are actually a, in a job collecting a paycheck with that sort of professional development. Yes. So.
7: That's right. Peace Corps is a volunteer organization, but you will collect a monthly stipend. Uh, your dental and health care will be taken care of for the duration of your volunteerism.
9: That's really good in this day and age, isn't it?
7: healthcare that's awfully beneficial (laughs) (laughs) okay
4: and marcus i feel like we've been a little bit slanted towards teach for america obviously it's hard to get a peace corps volunteer in here um but for our listeners if you do check out wknc.org blog we do we will have an email interview from a peace corps volunteer um this week but what else can you tell us about the peace corps that we may have not really covered or have been missing that's really important
7: Uh, The intangible is that it's it's an opportunity for you to engage in a life-changing experience. You will go abroad and help the people that need it most, and they'll never forget you. You'll never forget them. All you have to do is bring your passion and the ability to help others, and I will work with you to get you into the organization.
4: Okay. And for both Joe and Marcus, what kind of skills do you feel like people who do these programs get to use in their future work?
7: Well, you'll definitely have two years knowledge and international experience, which right now transcends whatever job type. It's not just, you know, liberal arts or anything like that. Healthcare, they're looking for that type of experience. You'll, you'll be fluent in a foreign language of some sort wherever it is you end up.
6: Well, for Teacher America, there's the obvious one thing that you'll take away is from the Summer Institute grad level education classes. But I really think the important thing to cover is the amount of leadership, ability and experience that you'll get with Teacher America. The first day that you walk into a classroom, you're expected to be able to make a lesson plan for people that prospectively aren't going to want to hear a lesson plan. So you have to find ways to effectively make plans, to effectively execute them and to really just shine as an unbelievable leader that can capture any audience and have them follow you eventually, so when you by the time you leave Teach for America, if you're a successful teacher, you will have leadership capabilities like I can't even imagine. I hope to one day possess them
4: so. okay, and how important do both of you feel is international and national experience that you get you know for an international economy where at most times one degree isn't even enough?
6: I'm sorry could you repeat the question <laughs> yeah.
4: All right, um, so... You,
6: you, you've stupefied us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so in terms, of, in terms of this being an international economy, I mean, one degree really isn't enough for people who graduate and try to work in the real world. I mean, how, how does the experience from Teach for America or from the Peace Corps help people out?
7: Well, in Peace Corps, if you don't feel like your one degree is enough, we have Master's International, which is a program that you can do in conjunction while getting your master's degree and do Peace Corps. I know here on our campus at State, it's natural resources. So you'll go to school for two semesters. You'll do your 27 months of Peace Corps, and then you'll come back and do a semester or two of that. There's also the fellows program. So that's you got your four-year degree, then you go off to Peace Corps. You have a life-changing, awesome, fantastic experience because you will. And then you come back and go to grad school tuition assistantships, credit reduction, the nuances are different per university, but that's one of the benefits as well. Okay.
6: I mean, I'm sorry, I have no idea how to answer this question. Uh, With with Teach for America, you can't be pursuing a grad degree while you're in the program, to be honest, because the amount of commitment that you have to have to be an effective teacher in the sort of situations like we place people into educationally, you really don't have spare time. However, having said that, it will put you on a great fast track to pursuing a graduate degree. And really, I think that an important thing to stress with um, Teacher America as well as the Peace Corps, honestly, is the the that you'll be able to put on a resume that you had these experiences that you can say you held this position and then to be able to put the, um, I imagine, uncountable bullet points underneath that of things that you took away from it, um, real practical experience, real practical lessons, things that you've developed yourself professionally. With, I think that there's, there's just so much to be said for both programs. So.
7: I agree with Joe. The amount of tangible and intangible benefits that you will collect uh, specifically from the Peace Corps, I mean, your personal development will be off the charts and your professional will be marked.
4: Okay. And so the Peace Corps application process is on a rolling basis, correct?
7: Uh, being placed is on a rolling basis. Okay. And, yes, you can apply at any time. For juniors and seniors, I recommend that they, you know, email me at peacecorps.ncsu.edu. About when exactly they should do that.
4: Okay. And generally, how long does it take?
7: The application process from beginning to end typically takes nine to 12 months, but I have sent uh, fellow Wolfpackers off quicker than that.
4: Okay. And Joe, there's one more.
7: There is uh, one more deadline
6: for Teach for okay. America this year, and it is check your watch this Thursday, February 18th. So. Uh, I have, <laughs> It's actually, it's actually at careful.
9: three a.m. It's it? it's midnight Western time. Okay, so, midnight Western yeah. time. Three a.m. Thank,
6: thank you, Mike, for uh, <laughs> I apologize, Radio World. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, to uh, kind of wrap it up, can you guys tell us what you would say the overall goals for each organization are, and you know, mention anything else that you think we may have missed.
7: The overall goals of the Peace Corps are again for you to take the person that you are, the passionate person that you are, and go to the places that need your help the most and help train the men and women in those countries.
6: Okay. The, the overall goal of Teach for America, and I know we've had a good time in here with this interview, and I'm glad, but it really is just a very serious thing, which is to stop education and inequity. What I talked about in the beginning of our interview, our VIP session, I think it's called, is a real problem. And fundamentally, our only goal is to place teachers that are willing to impact that make a fundamental and revolutionary change and then after those two years continue to work for the duration of their life in whatever sector they end up with law business medicine whatever it is to fight how how unfair it is to be born into a zip code that's identified as a low-income community and how your life prospects will never be the same
4: okay are there any tfa events that are coming up or any info sessions or is this pretty much it
6: uh just that application deadline at 12, 3 a.m. or whatever.
4: <laughs> okay. And uh, I know the Peace Corps director, Aaron Williams, is coming to visit NC State uh, Thursday, February 18th also. Um, according to this fire, he will give a short presentation followed by a reception, and it's at 6 p.m. in 2235 Sass Hall. Um, Marcus, do you want to add anything to that, or is that pretty much it?
7: Um, just that anybody who isn't sure about what Peace Corps is or would like to know more about it. This is a great opportunity for you to come out and meet me, other return volunteers, and meet the head man of Peace Corps. All
4: right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming.
7: Thank, thank you for having us.
10: What are your status updates say?
11: Instead of typing your feelings, what if every ounce of your being helped update the status of a person? And in turn, they did the same for you. Would this be enough social interaction? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. Get interactive at peacecorps.gov game.
2: This announcement has been a public service of 88.1 WKNC.
0: Community Canvas on Eye on the
7: Triangle.
2: Your local arts news.
0: This is Community Canvas. I'm Kieran Moreira. Earlier this week, I spoke to two student performers from the production Into the Woods, produced by Arts NT State. I'm here with Jason Cooper, a sophomore in communication, and Lornell Parnell, a senior in political science. So how are you guys doing today?
10: Doing pretty good. We're pretty good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, tell me a little bit about Into the Woods. Now, it was the first book by uh, James Lapin, and it was uh, first performed in San Diego at the Old Globe Theater in 1986, and it's also appeared in Broadway in 1987. So tell me a little bit about the story and uh, what's going on in the story for Arts NC State.
2: It's a really uh, cool story. It combines all of the classic fairy tales. Uh, Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk, Little Red Riding Hood kind of combines them all into one to see how the characters interact when when they're smushed together.
0: Now, Laurenelle, you are the witch. Tell me about how your character is involved in the story.
2: She's the, the witch in Rapunzel. She key, she locks up Rapunzel up in a tower, and uh, she also interacts with the other characters, uh, with Cinderella and with Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk.
0: Now, Jason, uh, you're, you're actually Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk. Tell me about your character.
10: Everybody's probably familiar with Jack and the Beanstalk, but Jack pretty much is a really little kid who doesn't get treated well by his mother and... Jack is in love with his cow, Milky White. So throughout the show, Jack holds on to Milky White, and his mother tells him that he has to go sell him. And Jack comes along meeting the baker, who wants to take the cow. And so the baker takes the cow, and Jack gets these beans in exchange for his cow. And his mother throws them out into the backyard, and those beans turn into magic, turning into a beanstalk, growing high up into the sky. Jack goes after
2: The the plot thickens.
10: Yeah, it it, it, it gets bigger.
0: I guess one of the interesting things about this musical is that it combines all the different stories from our our childhood. Um, But one of the premises is a baker and his wife are cursed with childlessness. And the witch next door is apparently the cause of this. And in order to break the spell, they have to find these special objects now. How does how do you tie in all these characters into this one story? I mean,
2: well, it's it's pretty cool because the the witch is the one who has cursed the baker and his wife, but the witch is also her her daughter is Rapunzel, uh, who turns out to be ooh plot secret, uh, who turns out to be the baker's sister, and it's just we, <laughs> we, we just tie them all together, and 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 Jack is there with his cow in exchange for the beans from the baker, so it all ties together.
10: Yeah, and it's crazy how. Sondheim actually just puts all those together into a song that the baker and the baker's wife sing and they just the way that that Sondheim Sondheim makes the song, it's awesome just to see how he ties them all in to the cow as white as milk and the the cape is red as, as blood, and it's just really cool.
0: Excellent. So how did you both get involved with Arts NC State?
2: Uh, I auditioned for a show my freshman year, and I got a really tiny role. I didn't have a name. I, I think I had six lines, and I just kept auditioning for shows. I kept coming out, and uh, I was in the best little whorehouse uh, in Texas last year, and uh, now I'm, I'm a senior, and uh, the role of the witch, and I'm really excited. It's my last show with State, so I got to oh. go out with a bang. <laughs>
10: (laughs) I have done a lot of work in the community. When University Theater was doing their show last year, I was um, actually in another production, so I was unable to do it. But I was really interested just in getting involved with University Theater because I'd seen a lot of their work, and John McAwee is an awesome person. So just being able to be under his direction, I came into, I saw them, they're going to do Into the Woods. And so I jumped on the boat and I landed a part, which is really awesome because now I'm part of University Theater. I can actually say it now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, and tell me, I know Art Cincy State does a lot of different performances throughout the year. What's different about this uh, musical? Um, obviously, it is a musical, so, you know, tell me a, a little bit about the differences with this particular performance.
2: I think uh, the rehearsal-wise, it's been really, really different from any show I've ever done. You know, Sondheim is really, really, uh, a really difficult material. And so we're in rehearsal from 7 to 11 every night, seven days a week. Um, so we've put a lot of work into it. Um, and we're really proud of it, and it's gonna be—it's gonna be really, really great. Mm-hmm.
10: Uh, I think this show is totally different for myself, just because I'm working with a whole new group of people. So not only am I working on a really difficult show, but I'm coming into contact with a different group of people. So. Um, I have to get used to the way that that they run things and also the way that Sondheim likes to run his music.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, a lot of your audience is students. So on these nights when you're performing, what do you think uh, students will, will enjoy about Into the Woods and what will they take away from it?
2: I think that students are are really going to see kind of the different side of the fairy tales, what happens after happily ever after. And I think it's really cool to explore uh, going through your your childhood, your childhood bedtime stories, and maybe they take a little dark turn. I think it's really cool, and I think students are really going to enjoy it.
10: Yeah, and I also think everybody's going to enjoy the energy that Mm -hmm. is brought to the stage. John stresses every night, energy, 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 and I think it's really gotten across to everybody that in order for you all to enjoy it, there's going to have to be, an um, Crazy amount of energy on stage, and so we're trying to bring it. And I think also the the effects that are going to be in the show is really going to rock everyone's mind, especially with the witch. It's going to be some pretty awesome. Crazy stuff going on. <laughs> some stuff that you're going to wonder, how did they even do that? Is there uh, anything
0: in particular from uh, this this musical that you enjoy a lot? Is there a particular part or role or actor or actress that you really enjoy being a part of? Or
2: I really enjoy being a part of a truly ensemble. Uh, musical, because we all—I mean, the, the cast is is chock full of really, really talented people, and um, we're all singing our hearts out. And uh, everyone has, you know, kind of an equal role, and we and the stories just intertwined together. So it's been really great to work with, with such a great cast.
10: Yeah, I think I agree totally with La- what Larnell said. Everybody, yeah, everybody's on stage an equal amount of time. There's no, you know, special role, no big role, no small role. Everybody is equal. And the other thing that I like about this is playing Jack. He, I get to play a kid and <laughs> playing a kid, you don't always get to do that. So whenever I do get to do it, I do it to the fullest amount.
0: Now, I, know, I understand you guys have some parts um, that you'd like to read for us today. Is there anything, any particular monologues that you'd like to read? Or?
2: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little monologue from the beginning of the show. And it's right when uh, the witch is explaining what has gone wrong with the, with the baker and his wife, why, why they can't have children. In the past, when you were no more than a babe, your father brought his young wife and you to this cottage. They were a handsome couple, but not handsome neighbors. You see, your mother was with child, and she had developed an unusual appetite.
0: Wow, that was impressive. I was actually getting kind of scared there for a second.
2: (laughs) That's the point.
0: And Jason, would you like to recite anything?
10: I really don't have anything spoken wise, but I do have a little part where I have to leave Milky White. We had to part ways. So I have this little lullaby that I sing to Milky White and it goes a little something like this. I guess this is goodbye, old pal. You've been a perfect friend. I hate to see us part, old pal. Someday I'll buy you back. I'll see you soon again. I hope that when I do, it won't be on a plate.
0: <laughs> Into the Woods will be performed this week, Wednesday through Sunday, February 17th through the 20th at 8 p.m. at Stewart Theater. For more information about arts events at NC State, please go to www.ncsu.edu slash arts. This has been Community Canvas. I'm Kieran Marrera.
11: listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM, I'm Michael Jones. And I'm Melissa Avanzo. SciTunes is a nonprofit music downloading service started in 2008 dedicated to Cy Rawls, a DJ and local music enthusiast who sadly passed away after he was diagnosed with brain cancer. His friends then decided to develop SciTunes.org, through which all the proceeds go towards the Tisch Brain Tumor Center where Cy Rawls was treated. The music on SciTunes comes from mainly local bands who have contributed their music to cancer research.
2: Last week, we sat down with Reed Johnson from Schooner and two representatives from SciTunes, Janet Park and Chris Rossi, to talk about SciTunes and Schooner's exclusive release of its EP Duck Key Sessions. The release party is at the Pinhook this Friday, February 19th. And for more information, check out WKNC's Rock Report.
12: Hi, I'm Janet Park. I'm the project director for SciTunes, and I'm also head of the SciTunes legal staff.
6: Hello, my name is Chris Rossi. Um, I'm an engineer at Space Lab Recording Studio and I founded SciTunes. Hello, I'm Reed
13: Johnson. I play in Schooner and uh, we're just releasing our new EP Duck Key Sessions on SciTunes.org.
12: So how did you initially come to know Cy Rawls? He was a DJ at XYC and I was was the program director at XDU while I was there so I tried to start a lot of XDU, XYC community type things like the kickball game every year. And so, uh, you know, we saw each other pretty often.
13: A new Cy from around the music community, like like Chris and a lot of us knew uh, Cy from. And then uh, I also um, played basketball with them um, around Durham and Raleigh. And, uh, and was in a sketch comedy group with them called the popular kids with uh, a bunch of raleigh folks we'd do wednesdays at king's barcade and uh and yeah so that that's how i that's how i knew them and uh, we'd always you know so we ran in the same circles too
11: so how are you planning on expanding the service and trying to gain more notoriety about side tunes
12: yikes Well, we, I mean, the fact that we, you know, donate all proceeds and don't necessarily have money to operate with, we really rely a lot on, you know, radio and music blogs and, yeah, bands, definitely. I mean, this has been, yeah, this has been kind of heavenly, you know, this experience. We were lucky when we launched that we had some live sets, you know, from Super Chonk and Polvo so we got a mention in Pitchfork a couple of times, and but mostly it's just been press. We just try and beg for free press.
6: Um, we just want to really try to reach out to as many bands as we can and say, hey, give us something, you know, and, and be like, look, this is a great thing for you to do. So do it, please. It, it'll be fun.
13: And well, I, that's why uh, one of the main reasons that we decided to put you know, the schooner release out on CyTunes. is not because we have like any, uh, delusion, delusions of grandeur that we're going to drive record breaking traffic to CyTunes or anything, but it's just a good, it's good to get interest in the site, just kind of showing, you know, giving a good example to the community that, you know, this you know, this is, this is going on. We're doing our own original EP that we're promoting and we're doing radio stuff for, and we're, being you know actively engaged in you know um and all it takes is just doing it you know um chris is you know i'm sure he wouldn't mind recording you to to put stuff out
11: and that was reed johnson from schooner chris rossi and janet park both from side tunes you're listening to hear this on Isle in the triangle on wknc 88.1 i'm michael jones with Alyssa diavonzo For more information on SciTunes, you can check out SciTunes.org. And once again, Schooner's release party is this Friday, February 19th at the Pinhook.
4: Thanks, Michael. You're listening to 88.1 WKNC's Eye on the Triangle. Now we'll go ahead and play Schooner's Feel Better from Duck Key Sessions. up another episode of eye on the triangle and wknc 88.1 make sure to check out our blog at wknc.org slash blog or wknc.org slash eot for more on the show and the podcast and also be sure to tune in next week for our civil rights ep- our civil rights episode to wrap up black history month if you have any questions comments or suggestions email us at public affairs at wknc.org and if you want to let us know what you think about civil rights make sure to email us as well